To be honest, I haven't thought about what I was going to talk about in this episode today until literally this morning. So, um, this might be a random episode. It might be a little jumbled. So, uh, hang tight. You know, I thought I could either wait and come up with something a little more succinct and not put out an episode this week, but I figured I'd find something to talk about. So, hang with me. Welcome to another episode of Gay Big Sis. I'm Katie Hahn, and today I decided what I was going to talk about five minutes before I started recording. So, welcome. I don't know what's going to happen today. I've been thinking a lot about Couch Guy this week. (laughs) Anyone who has a TikTok knows exactly what I'm talking about, but if you don't know what I'm talking about, just a quick Google search of TikTok Couch Guy, I'm sure will get you caught up. This video has almost 55 million views. It is a surprise reveal video of what I'm assuming is a high school or early college age girl going to visit her long distance college boyfriend. And the internet has kind of unanimously decided that this video seems pretty sus. She is let into this apartment by what we're assuming is the boyfriend's friends. And the boyfriend is on the couch with four other girls. And some people have gotten their panties in a twist about that alone. I don't think that's a problem. If you're getting jealous about your partner sitting next to other people, I think that's something to address within yourself. Regardless, some people were saying that uh, he was handed his phone from the girl next to him. So the girl next to him had his phone. What does that mean? Some people are speculating that he has a hair tie on his wrist. Where'd he get that hair tie if it wasn't the girlfriend's because they're long distance? There was some dispute about one of the girls on the couch possibly having her arm around him. That was later disputed. And someone said, oh, no, it's not his hand. It's this other guy's watch that you can see from this angle and things like that. So the Internet is absolutely picking apart this video. And it does. I have to be honest. The vibes are weird. The vibes are weird. When you think about a surprise video, you think about people immediately bursting into tears, jumping up, screaming, just giving long and passionate hugs. And granted, not everyone enjoys surprises. Some people are overwhelmed by surprises. They were probably thinking through their whole weekend and what they were supposed to do and how much homework they had. And now suddenly their partner's here and, oh, fuck, I have a lot of homework to do. And you're here. Ah, I'm happy to see you. But fuck, I wish I would have known. Like, I totally understand how you can definitely be super into your relationship and have a surprise be not timed quite right. So I don't know if it's necessarily so much something going on with their relationship that's off-putting about this. But another TikToker brought up a really good point, which is that This girl has subsequently made so many videos explaining about their relationship, about the friendships and the other people who are in the room. And she says that the girls who are on the couch are her friends and she's known them for over a year and that everyone in this room she knew and was friends with. That's what I'm a little more sus about. As this other TikToker pointed out, your friends will jump up to greet you, will be so excited to see you. Your friends are going to be excited that you're there. 
And again, not everyone takes surprises super well, so that may have been the case with the boyfriend. But if you have a group of seven or eight friends in a room, I'm pretty sure at least one of them would be the kind that really loves a surprise. And even if they were in on the surprise, they'd still be excited that the surprise went over well and that you were there. I don't know. It just, it really, it makes me so sad for this young girl because this, as this other TikToker pointed out, I don't know that those are your friends. I think your friends probably would have jumped up to see you. And that led me to think more and more about that I get a lot of questions regarding how do I know if someone likes me? How do I know if I like somebody? And that's not stuff that is ingrained in us from birth. Like we have gut feelings about things, but in terms of like knowing what a healthy friendship looks like, that's learned. And I saw a bunch of comments on this post talking about, oh my God, I remember when I was this naive and things like that. And I don't mean to have this conversation to shame this woman. She may have a perfectly loving relationship and thought the video was sweet and we don't know anything about it. And they're all having a hunky dory time and they all love her to pieces and would never say a bad thing about her. Sure. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm kind of getting the like, a picture's worth a thousand words kind of vibes here and having a glimpse into that room when that surprise went down, it's pretty telling. Anyway, long story short, this really got me thinking about high school versus college relationships and that how to identify healthy relationships, whether that be with friends or with a partner, is really something that is learned. It's not something that's ingrained in us. And when we're 17, 18, and head over heels in love, we don't want to believe that. We want to believe that our gut feeling is always right, and we know true love when we see it, and we know good friendship when we see it. And I hate to be the like big sis that's like, you'll understand when you're older, but it kind of is that situation. And as someone who's only 24 and is still constantly learning what a healthy relationship should look like, it's amazing to see the difference between how I view relationships now and how I viewed relationships in high school. One of the main differences I've noticed between the way that a lot of the high school relationships that I experienced and that I witnessed other friends experience versus college relationships is that in high school, you make friends either because you do the same extracurriculars or you make friends to obtain more social status. I know that I did, and this was not consciously. I did not realize I was doing this consciously until after the fact, which is, again, one of those, like, you'll understand when you're older kind of notions, I was definitely befriending people in high school because I knew that they would be connections for me to have a bigger social circle. And I got with my high school significant other because they were really sought after by a lot of people. And I said, oh, they want to date me? Okay. Uh, sure. And not because I was looking at them and really 
really wanted to be with them. I was just sort of flabbergasted that they wanted to be with me. And I feel like that's something that is shed in college because I feel like college is really um, a birthing place for individuality and realizing that in college, sure, maybe there are some colleges where cliques and things like that exist. Of course, friend groups exist at every sort of establishment and community, but, you know, there's not such a hierarchic, hierarchical, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> sort of class system in college like there is in high school. And I think that really shifts people's perspectives on what to look for in relationships and friendships, because you have this newfound understanding of yourself. You know what you like. You know what you want. You're figuring out what you want to do in life. And it's a little bit easier to find friends based on those values that you have rather than just shared interest or desire for social status. If you've had a different experience in high school and your friends ended up being friends for life and you really found people you connected with truly and not just because you both did marching band, I want to hear about it because I'm jealous, man. I wish that my high school experience had been like that. And I think that's really beautiful and promising and amazing to hear that the sort of social constructs of high school are being slowly broken down. But I just wanted to share my experience because it definitely did have an impact on what I viewed as a healthy relationship, either friendship or romantic relationship going into college. When my high school significant other and I broke up, I was a wreck. I was a wreck. I thought for sure I was one of those lucky ones who was a one in a million. I'm going to marry my high school significant other. Thank God that didn't happen because hello, I'm queer. But I really was really heartbroken about it. And I went to my parents. I went to my older siblings. I went to one of my favorite teachers at school the next day because he was like, what's up? Like, I can tell you're, you don't look too hot. And I just immediately burst into tears when he asked me that. And he was like, come sit in my, in my classroom at, at lunch. And I went to his classroom at lunch and I sat in a desk and he sat behind his desk and he's like, do you just like need someone to listen? And I'm like, yes. And so I completely just like cried about the whole deal. And the piece of advice that he gave is, Katie, this is high school. It's okay. <laughs> and I remember being so livid at that comment. I remember my parents saying the exact same thing to me. It's okay, Katie. It's just high school. And I was devastated. And I thought, y'all don't get it. Y'all don't understand. You don't know me. But the thing is, they do understand because they've been there and they know what it's like to experience that first heartbreak. The first heartbreak that you have is brutal because you don't know when you're going to feel better. You don't know when you're going to want to start dating again. You don't know when you're going to stop thinking about your ex on a daily basis. You have no frame of reference because it's never happened before. So it can hurt so bad. And then it's just salt to the wound to hear someone who wants to 
position themselves as older and wiser than you saying, well, you don't understand. It's just high school. Don't worry about it. It feels really invalidating. I totally, totally get that. So I want to acknowledge that your feelings and the how hard it is to get through that first heartbreak is so normal and it's okay and please feel your feelings and please be pissed about it and please cry about it and do whatever you need to do and have a sleepover with friends and eat pints of ben and jerry's and just remember that it's going to be okay and that this feeling will pass but yeah don't let anyone tell you that it doesn't have to hurt it's okay for it to hurt but the reason that adults specifically love to tell young people that in their first heartbreak is because it's true. Adults are always very well-intentioned when they give this kind of advice, and it's coming from a place of truth, which is that most people don't marry their high school significant others. It's very rare. Granted, I do know of a couple that I went to college with that just got married and they were high school sweethearts, spent four years apart in college and then came back together and got married. So it does happen. It does happen. But it's so rare. It's so rare. The majority of people don't spend the rest of their lives with their high school significant others. Your brain, your frontal cortex is not fully formed until you are age 25. It can be really risky to plan your entire life around the person that you met when you were 16, 17, 18. And there can be issues where you commit to someone that early. And then once you're fully, you're a fully developed, fully functioning human, you look back and say, oh Lord, I have just now discovered who I am and that person matches who I was when I was 16, but not now. And that's what adults tend to be getting at when they give you that, oh, it's just high school kind of advice. I remember being 18, 19 and thinking that I had it all figured out. And as someone who can very comfortably admit that I don't have it figured out really, it all yet, and I'm sure that there are people of every age who can say the same. I'm not saying that you don't know yourself better than anyone else knows you. You do know yourself better than anyone. But I'm trying to bring my experience to the table as someone who really wanted to dig in my heels in terms of what I thought I should be looking for in friendships and relationships. And it can be really hard to let go of the comfort that comes with choosing a friend group for safety in social status. It can be really difficult. And so it's important to remember that as you're learning and growing, that who you want to surround yourself with is probably also going to change. That doesn't mean that the friendships and relationships that you once had weren't valid. But it's important to always be assessing them as you mature. And if something doesn't feel right and feels off, like the Couch Guy video, maybe it's time to reassess if you actually want to be surrounding yourself with those kinds of people. I don't know. Just some food for thought today. Moving right along to the questions for the day, I wanted to address a question that I actually got in my Instagram DMs, which read, how do I ask my mom for tampons? I use pads right now, but I'd really prefer tampons. 
you already know the answer to this question. You ask your mom for tampons. If you don't have money for tampons yourself, you have to ask your mom or your dad or your big sibling or someone to buy them for you. That's the only way you're going to get them. So you know what the answer is. But I think why I get a lot of questions like this is because you're wanting someone to tell you that it's okay to be embarrassed to talk about those things. You're wanting someone to tell you that that's normal to be nervous about. And it is. It's totally normal normal to be nervous about. We shouldn't have to be nervous about those kinds of things. Those are things that should be open dialogue in every household. Everyone should understand the importance of period products and what they do and having options. I think that everyone should have that kind of rapport with their parents. But the fact of the matter is that that's not always the case. And so sometimes it can be difficult to bring up things that you've never even heard your parents talk about outside of what you're trying to talk about. You've never heard them talk about anything like that in general. So I can understand how it can be daunting to bring up a topic that you've never been demonstrated or shown is an acceptable topic to talk about at home. But I want to reinforce that it so is. It's just your body. It's just the natural workings of your body. That is not dirty. That is not shameful. And it is perfectly normal and acceptable for you to discuss those things with someone that you trust, like your mom or your dad or whoever you would go to for those kinds of things. I just want you to know that it's okay. I'm sorry that your parents haven't set the example that that's something that's okay and normal to talk about. And that leaves you in a tough position to have to be the one who has to start the conversation as the child. That sucks. I'm sorry. So if it's really too difficult to talk to your mom face to face, it's just too embarrassing, then maybe send her a text or say, hey, I'm texting you because I'm too nervous to talk about this in person. But if you'd be willing to start the conversation, I'd love to talk about it in person with you. Maybe that's a way to start. On to the next question. This reads, I've had a few relationships in my past, some serious, some less serious. I've made out with quite a few people, mostly when drunk, and I've had some one-night stands. Recently, I've gotten into some sort of friends with benefits situation. It's been great. We talked about what we do and do not want and how we aren't interested in making it any more serious than it is right now. However, the situation will always be a bit tricky. There's a friendship on the line. No one knows that we're friends with benefits either because that would just complicate things. I was wondering if you have any tips on having a successful friends with benefits in general. I think I'm personally on the right track, but I know for sure that it would have helped me tremendously if you had an episode on this when I first got into the situation. So if not for me, then for others who haven't quite figured it out yet. Let's talk about friends with benefits. I love this topic. I think friends with benefits can really work if you have the right amount of communication. They're great for people who aren't super interested in committing to a relationship, but also aren't super interested in one night stand kind of hookup culture. It can be a really happy medium for people that are interested in having casual sex, but feeling safe and feeling familiar with their partner. With that being said, I hear from this email that you are that you guys already have a pretty great communication rapport going. 
Another conversation that I would encourage you to have is the what do we do if this ends conversation or what do we do if someone catches feelings conversation. If you can talk those two things out beforehand, it might put you in a better position for not panicking or ruining the friendship if either of those things ends up going down. So a way that you could have that conversation is just sitting down and saying, hey, I really value our friendship. It's more important to me than anything sexual that we're doing right now. And in the event that we, one of us ends up falling for someone else or wants to date someone more seriously or we have to cut this off, I want you to know that I still want you to be a part of my life and I promise that I won't be the one to make it weird. I think that's a great way to establish that you're that you're holding the friendship above anything else. And I think you're definitely on the right track. You have good communication going. I think you both have a really good mutual understanding of what the arrangement is, but maybe just setting some terms and conditions for what you are going to do when this ends or if someone wants to date someone else would be a really good call. I would also maybe consider telling your friends. I think the sneaking around element might add a level of pressure that's unnecessary. If your friends love you and trust both of you, I don't see why they'd have a problem with it. And if they do have a problem with it, are they really the best of friends? I don't know. I... <laughs> Um, sorry, mom, cover your ears. Um, I hooked up with a friend of mine in college and we had a lovely time and we were able to have our little moment and then go right back to being buddy buddy in our friend group. And that was that. And a couple years down the line, I was telling a story and I was like, okay, friends, in order for me to tell this story properly, you have to know that so-and-so and I hooked up and the whole room at once went, we know! <laughs> and it was just so not a big deal and so whatever. And I think that that felt really nice to know that all of my friends were just like, dude, we still love you. Like, you can do whatever you want. And we don't care that y'all hooked up. Like, we believe you. Y'all are both in other relationships now like that was a fun time for you guys like congrats like we don't care so I would also just you know don't make a big deal out of it because that's gonna make it feel like a big deal but if someone's like are you guys hooking up because I'm getting a vibe just be like yeah it's casual it's what it is yeah maybe telling your friends would take the pressure off of the sneaking around part those would be my two recommendations Friends, for our third and final question today, we actually have our first story time submission. I was so excited that someone felt open and vulnerable enough to share this with us, so I'm going to read it for y'all. This says, I had to write this after finishing episode four of your podcast. The letter y'all talked about when someone asked how to say I love you, you mentioned there can be a fear of them not saying it back and then it being awkward for weeks. Well, this is actually what happened to me, so I thought I'd tell you about it. I was head over heels for my first boyfriend. I'd known the way I felt for quite a while. Five months in, we were having a moment and I thought surely he felt it too. I said, I love you. And he gave me a long kiss and said, I don't feel the same way yet. He later goes on to tell me how his ex really just did a number on him and he wasn't there yet. 
Fast forward three months. I swore to myself that I wouldn't say it again, and I would wait until he brought it up, but he never did. That feeling ate away at me. I would try to do things to maybe make him fall in love with me. I left sweet notes. I worked out more to try to look good. I brought up thoughtful conversations. Nothing worked, of course. One day, I let it slip and said it again. He didn't really say anything that time, but he definitely felt bad when he saw tears well up in my eyes. I told him that it hurts to not hear it back and that he told me to tell him when it's hurting and he'll hold me tight and try to make me feel better. Between that, some other things, and the whole COVID shutdown definitely didn't help. I was done and ended our relationship after nine months. In some ways, it was a relief because I no longer had to try so hard or to stress about it. I've been single for over a year now and I have come to learn that there is nothing wrong with me because he couldn't love me. I'm also learning to love myself more than ever before. The moral of the story and the reason I'm telling you this is, from my experience, it really can be more than just awkward to not hear it back. I'm not sure if it was more painful wanting to say it so bad or wanting to hear it back. Honestly though, I don't know how it could have been a better situation. If you have any ideas how it could have gone better, I would love to hear them. It's obviously weren't meant to be. I showed that I have love to give and someday someone will hopefully appreciate that and love me back in the same way. I loved this letter. I love this letter because it took so much vulnerability and strength for you to type this out and send it to a stranger on the internet. And kudos, this was tough. And I hope it was cathartic for you to write. It was beautiful to read because I can really hear in your voice the content that you have found in ending the relationship and I'm glad that you can see in hindsight that it was the right thing to do for you and I wanted to also acknowledge that yeah it's not just awkward when someone doesn't want to say I love you back it hurts it hurts really bad and it sucks and it feels like the walls are caving in and you're wondering why am I unlovable but newsflash you are not unlovable no one is unlovable. And I'm sorry if someone has ever made you feel like you are too hard to love. And this is a really, really beautifully written letter because I can just tell that you know that that's true and you know what you're worth and that you are not too hard to love. And I'm really excited for you on this journey of self-love and congratulations and good luck. That is all I've got for this episode of Your Gay Big Sis. I'm Katie Hahn, and as always, we drop episodes every Wednesday. And if you'd like to ask me a question yourself, you can email me at gaybigsis at gmail.com. Bye, guys.